Well, hello. Uh, I'm here with uh, Roy March, my good friend, uh, Chairman CEO of uh, Eastel Secured. And uh, great to see you today, Roy. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you. Good to see you. Hope you're well. Very well. Thank you. You and your family? Yeah, all good. All very good. We're very fortunate. Very blessed. What does the view of the ocean look like today? Oh, no, no, no. You're not going to trap me with that. I, I'm here, you know, in that corporate wrapper. Uh -uh. Uh, I don't want anybody to feel bad about uh, how good uh, things are here. Uh, exactly. Well, I do, I do see that you have uh, issue secured background behind you. So yeah. I commend you on that. Support the brand 24 yeah. 7. Well done. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Thank you. Super. Well, um, seriously, where do we find you? How are you doing? Um, how, how is life right now in this crazy environment? Well, um, you know, I, I uh, uh, you know, there, I, I go through waves of emotions, um, and I think that that, uh, and, and, and in leading a company, I think it's important for us to understand uh, that that the people who we work with um, um, also go through these waves, and they're different generations. Uh, at the end of the day, as well, oftentimes in isolations, not in their you know hometowns, and so. Uh, I think it's fair to have, uh, not fair, but appropriate to have the empathy for uh, how they feel and, and to share how you feel and not be afraid of that. Um, <clears throat> the truth is I wake up with high anxiety in the morning, uh, anxious to make sure that uh, everybody is well taken care of, uh, both from a health and well-being perspective and both physical health and emotional and mental health. Uh, I think it's super important and this is something that, you know, we. We always thought of as part of our culture, but I think we've re-emphasized as a result of all this. Um, and then I go through, I start the calls, right? And uh, try to uh, get to the source of information. Try to take the, uh, if you will, the uh, advice that we give clients uh, as a trusted advisor, which is to uh, uh, assess what your exposure is, um, try to uh, mitigate your exposure, and then, uh, do the things that you need to do uh, ultimately, and then look forward as to what kind of opportunities are created as a result. So uh, that, that, that's kind of my day, if you will, and uh, that's what we advise, and we, it's what we advise ourselves. And, and the other part of it is, is just trying to keep uh, kind of healthy in all this period of time. Um, I, I've, uh, as you may know, I've, I've uh, got a couple of challenges. I've got a push-up challenge going, I've got a plank challenge going, and I've got a walking challenge going with three different constituencies of clients and, and, uh, and partners. And so uh, those are the things that we're doing to try and uh, stay healthy and, uh, and, uh, and, and to stay sane uh, as best we can. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it because you look terrific. Oh, well, thank you very much. Appreciate it. I'm actually at my college weight. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Roy, when I grew up, I want to be you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's amazing. All right. So let's jump in. Um, came March and I'm sure the music has not stopped and changed a lot. So what happened briefly and uh, what, what is the status of uh, East Hill Secure yeah. today as far as relationship with clients and activities? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, interestingly enough, not unlike the rest of the industry, um, we had a uh, you know very robust first quarter underway, uh, January, February, in the beginning of March, we were looking at uh, you know year over year growth in the double low double digits, uh, and then March 13th, Friday, March 13th was kind of the day that I'll remember, which is I was standing there with a group of people looking at a 
press conference by the president and saying to everyone, remember this day. And I didn't realize how um, prophetic that might be uh, because at the time we were then looking at uh, a phasing of our workforce uh, in, in uh, uh, flights, if you will, a platinum and a blue flight, a B flight, if you will, around the world to be able to um, implement, um, you know, uh, so, social, correct social distancing, if you will. And um, <clears throat> things did come to, uh, and, and, and we, we went from that to the stay-at-home uh, orders that were thrown, uh, thrown around the, uh, a blanket around the entire world, as it turns out. And things did come to a screeching halt. And I describe it as kind of a fog of war where no one, no one really understood exactly where uh, the world was potentially going. And so it put a freeze, it paralyzed people, both intellectually and uh, physically and, and, and emotionally. And uh, that shock to the system has taken a while to begin to unwind. But for us, it was uh, uh, really trying to secure on behalf of our clients um, an, a, an understanding of where their exposure was as a result of uh, basically the shutdown of liquidity uh, in the financial impactful um, demand drivers, like being able to occupy space, being able to go to restaurants and all those kinds of things, being able to shop uh, in person, uh, might have as an impact um, on the demand side and, and, and the daisy chain of events that that sets off in terms of rent payment, in terms of, uh, of, of, of mortgage payments, and, and ultimately uh, bond payments and the like. So. Um, Think our, our goal was to get across the line virtually everything we could. And so in those early weeks, um, we talked about pre-COVID and COVID, if you will. And it's become kind of a state of, of, uh, of, of discussion, if you will. And from that point, it was really getting across the line things that were committed, things that um, had hard money deposits, had commitment fees funded, and by and large, uh, most of that um, occurred um, without hitch. There were a couple deals where they were either transitional or in the hospitality space in particular where there were hard money deposits where it looked like, candidly, the, uh, um, the value diminution was great, much greater than the deposits that were up. So um, it was triage, um, to be sure. And uh, at the same time, as I described to you, we were going through a, a technology transition. And so we went remote overnight with two systems um, simultaneously. And thankfully, our technology team was just extraordinary around it. And we got everybody remote in uh, 48 hours around the world from uh, um, Singapore, Japan, Hong Kong, Seoul, uh, and Dubai, Paris, uh, Germany, London. Dublin, and then all of the offices uh, here in the U.S., but literally in 48 hours, we were remote and operating day one, Monday morning, um, uh, as, as a team and connected um, um, as, a, uh, as, as one unit, one culture, one team, if you will, on behalf of uh, our clients. And uh, then it was, okay, uh, where do we go from here? And, uh, um, and, and we went into that uh, you know, that, that triage, as I uh, suggested. And what, we're, what we've seen is this kind of separation or barbell, and there's the distress, and then there's the opportunity. Um, and, and, and there are people who see opportunity and distress, and then it's trying to see what it looks like over the horizon coming out of this. So 
what are you working on right now? What, what are your clients uh, asking you to do for them? And what are you advising them to actually do? And I, and I understand assess the situation, protect your situation, but let's talk more about more offensive or more yeah. proactive. Yeah, well, the, the first wave of this was liquidity uh, issues. And those issues were showing up first in the, uh, uh, in the mortgage REITs, particularly those that in essence, um, um, had margin calls. Yep. And literally, um, they were scrambling for liquidity to survive. And so those were the first orders of business because that was the first wave. And it was prior to um, the government stepping in with um, you know, the massive liquidity that they put in place to try yeah, to assess so that. From, from all that I've heard, Roy, and I'm curious if you have different uh, data or experience, that was a very small window in time, and there was very little activity. There was some activity, but it was not really uh, a mass movement of capital into that space that the Fed kind of got in quickly and plugged the hole. Am I right about that? Or did, They didn't know? plug the hole. They, what they did was they provided liquidity across the, the overall system, and that liquidity washed through um, those areas, first and foremost, where they were buying, in essence, and providing that liquidity, and then it washed over into, um, you know, our space. But even weeks later, when uh, they approved uh, real estate, if you will, AAAs uh, in the TALF program, those were for short-term AAAs, and they really didn't impact the real estate finance industry very much. Right. What, what, what happened, though, was that... Um, in particular, the first wave of, of, of impact was these, these debt funds and these mortgage REITs were a substantial portion of the financing market. And as those were shut down, uh, literally in crisis mode, um, there were people moving into that space, buying you know, loans, providing liquidity um, instruments and the like. Uh, and then the next wave of it was the banks being hit with, um, candidly, um, uh, forbearance requests and so much of these large banks, the big banks in particular, um, took their origination teams off the field and put them into asset management, trying to assess, you know, kind of what their exposure was, and what the, what their uh, borrowers' exposure was, and so much of that now was waiting for the first of March, uh, excuse me, uh, the first of April, to see when what the payments were going to be, whether it was. You know, retail, um, you know, what, what the shutdown of these uh, hotels meant in terms of operating costs while shut, uh, in terms of office, which tenants were going to pay, not pay, and the same thing with multifamily and across the board. So it became, it immediately went from a liquidity issue to now a demand issue uh, in terms of who was going to pay rent and who wasn't going to pay rent. And that dynamic uh, happened very, very quickly, literally within that two week period of time. So it, 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 it was substantial and it paralyzed um, really the financing market uh, um, for that. And now, where are we now with respect to liquidity? Um, the fog, the fog is lifting, but it's still dense. Um, and so what, what, what we're seeing is um, very little activity, uh, if any, in the, in the debt fund. Activity in the bank space, other than uh, again forbearance requests and you know and, and covenant modifications and things like that, the life companies have been um, um, remarkably um, reactive to this and they've continued to stay in business, but they've been overwhelmed. Um, and then um, at, at at the very end of the day, what what happened was there was liquidity 
challenges throughout the system. So we were no longer dealing with the head of real estate at an insurance company. We were dealing with the CIO who was trying to make decisions about how to distribute their liquidity around the entire universe, if you will, of financial instruments. And so um, that, that was, you know, again, um, a little bit uh, more of a challenge. That's beginning to clear a bit right now. And so we are actually getting financings done. Um, we closed uh, a, a deal actually in downtown Los Angeles um, that was a, a, a large um, office building, multi-tenant, 45% um, uh, LTV uh, in the middle of all that. There were some adjustments relative to interest reserves and things like that that ultimately uh, came to be. And then the question was, okay, what do they do with it? Because it was ultimately originated to become a, uh, uh, a, a securitized product that would be distributed. And just last week, it actually went through the securitization and we got some visibility around what you could price something like that at. But um, spreads blew out, but realistically, nobody was what was transacting. Yeah, spreads, spreads blew out, they came back in. Um, interest rates, uh, nominal interest rates blew out um, from call it the high twos uh, on a 10 year fixed rate to low to mid fours if it was available. Mm -hmm. And is now back, has come back into um, kind of that three, and a, three to three and a quarter range and is trending towards the three from three and a quarter, depending on the deal on a 10 year fixed rate you know, and I use that as a bellwether against kind of real estate return. So you, you describe uh, interest reserves and things like that as some of the new uh, bells and whistles on uh, lending product. Yeah. Um, what about the uh, loan amounts? Uh, has, has the underwriting changed so that same assets will generate uh, fewer proceeds today or are we back to more or less uh, same uh, underwriting? No, so the underwriting's changed the most, uh, Gotti. And uh, again, as I described the barbell, you've got uh, those that uh, do not have long-term contracts associated with them or, um, you know, no, no foot track to generate sales to ultimately generate the ability to pay rent. Um, so you have kind of that end. And then you have the other end, which are contracts that are in place, and they could be as little as 12 months in, a, in the case of a multifamily. To five years. Um, uh, logistics rents that could be five to seven years. Um, and so everybody is waiting and kind of watching um, as to what this payment schedule is going to be. And it was remarkably higher than people thought it was going to be. But um, the, the question still remains, what will, what will that look like when we come back to work, if you will, um, and, 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 and kind of come back to uh, the new normal, if you will. And uh, from, from that perspective, um, um, our sense of where the market is today is the, the cost of capital, the nominal cost of capital, an IRR return, if you will, over a 10-year period of time. We don't think that changes much. We don't think that ultimately people are underwriting to a higher cap rate on the back end versus lower cap rate on the back end because of all this quantitative easing that's occurred. Lower for longer, which we've been talking about, will be lower for much longer, we think. And, uh, but what is changing is the underwriting. And yeah. so th those, those assets that have good, you know, weighted average lease terms, um, those probably are going to have the least amount of um, Im impairment around valuation. And obviously those that have a shorter term um, uh, lease duration will, will potentially have the most. 
and that's you know in that in that analysis if you will the the kind of value add space where you've either got a lease up or a rollover situation as opposed to a core with a longer weighted average lease term those are where the impairment's going to be likely the most but not because the cost of capital has necessarily gone up but because the underwriting uh, will change to uh, reflect people's view as to how the new normal will be viewed. Does Can that make any sense? It totally yeah. does. Uh, what you're saying is that because of, um, although the return expectations haven't changed, people want to have more safety around those returns. So they're, they're putting into the modeling and into the pricing a more conservative set of assumptions on rent renewals and rent rates yep. and occupancy levels going forward, all of which is driving the, the nominal value, although it's not a pricing mechanism, the nominal value of, uh, of the asset. And off of that, there will land 70, 80% so long as all the other, got it. Correct. It, it does make well, sense. Well, nobody's landing 70, 80%. Yeah, that is the other thing. And, and you know, going into this, um, you know, we, we did see that leverage levels were not as high as they were back in the GFC days where we had gotten, we'd stretched into the 70s, uh, if you will. Uh, we're we're in the, the low we were in the low 60s going into this uh, relative to that, and we also were in a lower base rate environment going into this uh, than we were. But leverage levels weren't quite as high. They were again, you know, probably 12 uh, points inside of where they had been uh, during the. But but that doesn't mean that that it, that that leverage wasn't beginning to creep up. Um, but for sure, people are in essence lending at virtually the same rate, but for five points inside of where they would have lent it at, uh, five to 10 points inside of what they'd have lent it at pre-COVID. On the LTV basis. Correct. Yeah, got, gotcha. Yeah. So, you know, uh, thank you for describing what's happening out there. What about transactions? Now, you talked about the debt market. What about the capital markets for equity and, uh, and the movement of assets? Well, you know how these screens sometimes when you're using this kind of freeze up? Um, that's what it feels like. Um, and we're waiting for spring, if not summer. Um, but, but if you look at it, uh, again, we were up uh, low double digits uh, as an industry in institutional transactions. Um, uh, and, and a lot of that was driven candidly by logistics um, at the end of the day. Um, and, and the impact, candidly, of e-commerce and all that, which I'm sure we'll get to here in, in a minute in terms of the winners and, and, and potentially the ones that will be more challenged, if you will, longer term. But uh, it dropped in um, uh, March about 25% month, uh, to March 2020 to March 2019 mm -hmm. off of what, uh, but, but the quarter, because of how strong it was, you know, um, going into it was up, um, as I say, um, just, just about 10 and a half, 11%. Uh, that's fallen off in April by 75% yeah. in terms of equity transactions. Yeah. And I think that that's a fair assessment around the debt uh, markets as well. And uh, everything is being done by appointment. Um, I mean, uh, we, we talk about curation. This is really, you know, like trying to get into the best, uh, uh, best doctor or dentist uh, out, um, uh, it, it, everything is being done absolutely by appointment at this point in time. There's no more marketing in the more traditional way. I would expect, Roy, that most of the stuff that has closed in April uh, were pre-COVID deals that actually uh, 
a seller and a buyer decided not to get out of full, whatever, or what minutes do we negotiate? I, I would assume, but you can help me understand whether there are new transactions that are actually getting uh, out to the market and get uh, interest in them. I suspect if there's any place where you can see that would be in the data centers, maybe industrial warehousing, in other asset classes, I suspect not, but I wonder what, uh, what, what are you seeing out there? So we're seeing, um, um, and, and it's interesting, and we'll talk perhaps about this in a little bit because of, of what we saw, kind of how, how things returned in Asia, how, how Europe has reacted to all this, having gotten into it, you know, weeks, if not uh, a month before we did, and then kind of where we are. Um, <clears throat> it's, been a, it's been a shift, and as I said, the um, kind of future, uh, and the future is clearly around um, uh, logistics, particularly the, anything related to e-commerce. Um, uh, Amazon has leased in the last six weeks 40 million square feet that was unexpected. Um, they're not the only ones. Walmart, uh, if you talk to any of the grocers, they've had the biggest quarters, biggest months, biggest days in their entire history. Um, <clears throat> Supply chain issues um, will, uh, and, and, and inventory hold uh, requirements by some of the major uh, retailers that utilize um, distribution as part of what they do. Those also will um, have an impact structurally on what's going on in logistics. But logistics is a huge, huge, huge beneficiary of all this. And <clears throat> there are still, there are some cracks in what I'll call some of the smaller uh, um, um, uh, spaces and formats where, you know, they may have been a little bit more dependent on gambling, for example, or hotel distribution or retail distribution, but um, otherwise um, a, a strong, strong, strong demand. Uh, we actually expect that pricing will go up in logistics going forward. So if you look at my commentary around demand and cost of capital, so if cost of capital stays about the same, but demand goes up, in an area, we're likely to see more value accretion in logistics and industrial. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the other big winner is life science. And while it, 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 it really was thought of as a niche uh, back in, uh, through 2014-15, huge winner uh, coming out of this. Uh, a lot of people have begun to sh had begun to shift from being a core office investor and while allocations had gotten to their maximums and give them advice around those kinds of things. Um, they um, uh, were beginning to get into life science more uh, deeply. That space, um, if, they're, if, if, if it had gone from a, fad, a niche to a fad to a trend, is a legitimate industry um, segment today. Mm -hmm. um, these, these are not necessary, and, and, and not all the credit can be um, underwritten um, specifically, but if you understand what the mission critical nature is of some of this stuff and you understand um, what the use is uh, of the space um, and how that has changed um, over the years, you can see a big bit. One of the things I talk, think about is if you, if you think of the fact that uh, $29 billion a year was being sunk into this by, through NIH uh, grants and things like that, and that was creating you know, demand and that was the high point. And you look at the CARES Act, which has $120 billion allocated to hospitals and these kinds of things. And you think about the fact that we're going to issue $4 trillion, potentially $4 trillion with it. What kind of investment is going to go into it to prevent 
something like this from happening again, whether it's stockpiling of supplies uh, because of some of the things that we've seen with our inability to be able to get to those things early enough and that's in that impact, whether it's um, you know specialization hospitals, whether it's ultimately um, prevention and cures, treatments um, and the like, um, you just got to imagine that that's going to be a huge um, tailwind behind that space. And then um, we, we, we've always talked about these innovation markets being uh, having uh, outsized dynamic um, and sustainable growth. Um, we think that that's going to continue and that technology uh, will drive, uh, will, will continue to drive this innovation, adjacencies, uh, collaboration and the like. Um, uh, those markets will continue. And those, those again, you're going to have to understand the credit of these leases and everybody understands where Amazon is, but uh, XYZ uh, may not be as understandable, but I think that those are going to be big winners as well because they're going to be credit and <clears throat> they're going to be, you know, what I'll call mission critical to whatever is going on in the world. And then in the multi-space, um, I think you're going to find that uh, things that have the amenity package that kind of, you know, speaks to a work from home environment and or the ability to at least have that flexibility. On the multi-side, we see a lot of, um, of great things. And then you've got the data centers, which you pointed out. Um, you know, that's a little bit more technical and you really have to, in, in our view, um, have super expertise around it because, uh, you know, leapfrog technology and the like, you, you don't know, you know, what that, what that PowerShell is gonna look like going forward. So you really need expertise around it. Um, and my guess is, is that what comes out of all this is something in the healthcare space beyond life science, whether it's skilled nursing um, and or um, some of these things that are big problems today. Um, there's going to be innovation in that space and it's going to ultimately, I think, um, be someplace where uh, that'll go. We've talked, as you know, around, uh, you know, the, 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 <clears throat> you know, the uh, ESG um, aspects of of what's important to limited partners and investor sponsors. Um, and ESG has become an increasing uh, element of all that. All of these things will speak to that. Um, and so they're, 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 this is, you know, it's not a coincidence probably. Um, and maybe it's a plan. Um, but at the end of the day, um, uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, but uh, th those are the areas that we think are gonna be the most robust and don't see pricing, you know, um, uh, coming back, uh, don't see pricing challenges with those kinds of things because there's going to be on the demand side, huge demand. So where does that leave you? That leaves you in the value add space. And I think you've got to be really, really, really specific. And, or trying to underwrite, you know, retentating, um, and, uh, and, and being much more specific, less generic about demand drivers in a given market that will, uh, ultimately be there. So, and I think that uh, you're going to ask me a question at some point about what the future leads mm -hmm. and I and, and uh, I'll, I'll wait for that one but uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be all the more important. Yeah Th that was a great overview of a lot of uh, trends that um, and, and the changes that are coming up. One thing I wanted to talk to you a little bit about you touched upon it so maybe you can dig a little deeper is uh, what patterns that maybe have begun before COVID-19 are going to be accelerated by what we're going through. And you talked about supply chain collapsing. You talked about uh, life sciences getting more funding. You talked about uh, warehousing uh, requirement uh, for stockpiling, et cetera, accumulating. So 
perhaps going a little bit beyond that, and maybe you want to focus on the um, e-commerce and impact on retail and, and brick and mortar, other things like that, where you see yeah. investor appetite uh, moving in, in new directions that may affect uh, where transactions will end up. Yeah. Well, this, uh, given, given your uh, um, background and history, this will probably uh, resonate quite nicely with you, Gadi, and I promise you didn't tell me to give to, to, to speak to this but um, bottom line is I think uh, being a more intelligent investor okay and that means data and data and information will be critical and we you know, it's becoming more transparent and and uh, ubiquitous as it relates to how to do it but and it's not just about um, you know being able to create AI and you know machine learning and everything else it's taking direct data and, and that's Part, part of what we're trying to do and bring to our clients is information to make judgments um, to, to create either thematic uh, and or specific um, targeted investments, not just in real estate, but within real estate where you do have these robust and dynamic um, demand drivers that ultimately um, are, are give you the kinds of returns that real estate's supposed to give you in an overall portfolio. And so from our perspective, it's how, how do you um, do that? And, you know, we've got our own, you know, culture that we think is unique in that respect. But I think being um, uh, more data driven in um, understanding why someone wants to locate somewhere. I mean, we, we call it the why. Why does somebody want uh, to locate? And, and most of it um, in the new world will come down to talent. And we think that talent is going to be critical um, in a lot of these um, kind of, and this isn't new world stuff. This is where the world was going. Um, why, why do they want to be there? Why do they want to live there? Um, and why do they want to recreate there? Why do they, why do they want to be uh, where they want to be? And so understanding that and, you know, the biggest difference in this in anything else that I've been through and I've been through the four big ones, um, having been doing this for 42 short years, um, is uh, that it's global. I mean, it's not an industry sector meltdown. It's not a region. It's not a currency. It's, it's, it's global. And I don't think, uh, you know, when we talk about black swan events, I don't think anybody's experienced a global black swan event quite like this I mean, we are living in unprecedented times um and so at the end of the day um i i think that um what, what that, that information will be critical technology will be critical um as it relates to all this and understanding why um you know the best talent wants to be where it's going to be and it's going to be intellectual innovation um that is going to be the big demand driver and then the other big thing out of all this that, you know, I mean, 9-11 was a very emotional um, um, uh, interruption uh, and tragedy in our lives. It was very localized, you know, in terms of, you know, DC and, and, and uh, uh, New York in particular. But, uh, um, and, and that was a call to arms, um, you know, for the United States and all that. Um, th this has a sentiment aspect to it that's very very difficult to get your full arms around and i think that there's an element of generational um uh, perspective and maybe fear because of where this disease goes after um you know 
being a vulnerable right. one myself, uh, but also just kind of how, you know, how the world works. And, you know, these, these kinds of things don't happen, you know, uh, for, uh, uh, for anything other than, you know, we've created this mobile um, society, right? And this mobile society has accelerated the growth of something like this to the point where it shuts down a whole global economy. And when you're talking about the sentiment of how people feel about, you know, how they want to conduct their work lives, whether they want to do it remotely or whether they want to be more in touch, the, the sentiment is vast, right? And it's not regional. It's, it's really much, so much a part of someone's life that, that and by the way, it's not just about being worried about whether you're going to get it or not. It's whether you're going to be a carrier and potentially put someone in your own family or friends and colleagues at risk. So what that's the one think, thing. What do you think changes in a substantial way, not just around the edges, more people working from home, fine. But what, what are some fundamental changes where things aren't going to, back, to go back? It relates to real estate. Yeah, I think that, I mean, if you, and, and we picked up uh, with our partners in, in uh, Singapore uh, in, in particular, that, you know, Asia went, has gone through these types of things, whether it's the oh, bird flu right. or whether it's SARS or everything. So they were better prepared for this. And if mm -hmm. you walk through an airport um, or, and, you know, any, any major public area, you maybe not don't see it, but there are temperature um, monitors and, and uh, all, all those kinds of things. You, you kind of walk through it without thinking about it and you, know, and you, and, and you think it's part of their, uh, and I, I think that, that that is going to be one of the biggest things, which is as we saw 9-11 start to impact us in security um, through airports, I think you're going to see, uh, at least in, in, in the foreseeable future, um, this what I'll call health security um, that's going to be enhanced and it's going to change in terms of, you know, the number of people uh, and frequency of, uh, of, of public transit. I think it's going to be um, affect uh, that the number of people that go in and out of shopping malls, office buildings and the like. And uh, so I think that that's going to be, you know, what I'll call health security is going to be the number one thing. And, and, and that's going to impact our real estate business. Um, you know, I think about how we're planning our back to work and we have um, three of our offices back to work now and next week we'll have six um, and they're rolling out by jurisdiction, you know, and with the health and well-being of our people being first and foremost. Um, but, but when you look at, at, at um, you know, how, how people ultimately want to go back to work, as we look at it, there's, there's, there's also a cost associated with it. So, whether you go back to work on these flights where you have an AB or an ABC, and you think about how, how frequent that is, there's on one hand, there's the, the gestation period for you know, carrying and, and, and having it and being able to test for it. But then there's the practical aspect, which is how do you do the deep clean and how expensive is that? And is that a building owner's uh, challenge or a tenant's challenge? And the answer is yes, it is. It's our collective challenge. That's going to be a big, big thing, and it's not. It's it's going to change the cost structure a bit, um, at least in, in the near term. Um, and we've seen these studies, right, that look at all the pandemics all the way back to the 1900s, right, that, that we've we've been uh, privy to. And what what they basically tell you, first of all, none of them have had the economic impact 
that this one has had. None of them have had a major financial market economic impact. And, and deaths have been you know, significantly higher and certainly higher by proportion because of you know, the relative. Enough, within 12 to 18 months, things went back to normal. Right. And so um, you can't assume that's going to happen. So you have to plan that they won't go back to normal. But at least history has suggested that people don't, for, don't forget, but they modify their behavior to what they think is an acceptable way well, of life. That happens to be my belief. My belief is, you know, I remember conversations after 9-11 uh, about all topics like Will people want to be in high rises? Will anyone want yep. to live in New York? We will all be hunkering down in remote locations in underground bunkers. And I think that this too will go back to a new normal. It's going to be new. It's not going to be the same, but it's probably going to be more like the old normal than not in yeah. many ways. Although I agree a hundred percent that health safety, just like uh, security safety is going to be a big piece of our lives for yeah. a long time but yeah and and you know there is still stigma you know associated with uh, tall buildings in certain locations right um by by tenants and uh it, it's interesting because it doesn't take more than one in this day and age to to change people's perception of all that but uh yeah and, that, and that's uh, and that that's probably the question that uh we get asked the most yeah. which is what does in the office space in particular what does that kind of look like going forward and what we've tried to do is get to the best source if we can and that's the top interior architects that um, are designing space um, currently yeah. for the people who are most likely to take the space, which is, you know, the new, um, the, the, the new technology, if you will, or technology, if you will. Interestingly enough, though, if, and, and what they'll tell you is, is that there's two different schools of thought. One is we want more space with fewer people. Uh, the other is we need less space because we're going to have more people working from home. Isn't it interesting, though, that if you're Google, Amazon, Facebook, Microsoft, that you've had this ability to be remote right for 25 30 years right people still believe that the collaboration has to be there so and humans are social animals they want to be yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. no I, I agree some people think i'm just an animal not a social animal <laughs> you're both <laughs> uh Another question I'm sure people ask you a lot is, okay, Roy, the market are seized, the fog of the battle is still thick. Maybe it's lifting, but it ain't done. So um, I got a bunch of dry powder. Where, when, what should I be planning to buy at what price? What is your outlook? Three, six, 12, 18 months out. Well, um, it, it, it is um, you know, a question, uh, the answer to which is it depends. And it depends on one's relative risk profile, kind of what, what one's investment strategy is. You see a lot of capital being raised right now for distressed debt opportunities and distress in general. That's, gonna, that's, gonna, that's being raised and there are you know, sponsors that are putting money into that um, with you know, capable, hopefully capable uh, um, um, investment advisors and, and plan sponsors to, to be able to, to uh, face that challenge. 
So with that, I, I still think it's a little early, um, even for the stress other than these fast liquidity options around um, what we saw in the um, mortgage read space, but even that's stabilizing at this point. Um, there, there's going to be um, defaults um, uh, in, um, in CMBS land um, as a result of um, the inability to be able to pay rent by tenants and tenants being in uh, and, and landlords being able to pay the mortgage payments. So I think there's going to be defaults in that. So on the, on the opportunistic side, that's where, that's where, that's where that money's supposed to go. And candidly, they were having more and more challenges being able to find opportunities as pricing was getting richer and richer right. where supply and demand was uh, imbalanced and, and people hadn't over levered and all that. So my view is, is that that that's going to be, available but it's not available yet and i think people are waiting and watching to see how much more aid the u.s government's going to provide in terms of forbearance and or liquidity before they kind of you know cry uncle um and so this bid ask spread which um, um is certainly out there it's going to take a bit to see what the the next shoe to drop is and whether that's on the demand side because people just you know, decide that they're going to wait it out for the summer, um, or if it's that the liquidity has gotten as far as it's going to go. And don't forget, we have an election year coming up here, or we're in it. Um, and uh, it's it's clearly there's political, you know, uh, winds blowing both ways. Um, so I, I think that on, on that side, it's going to be there. I think on the, on, on the, what I'll call the regular way or core, core plus business, if you will, uh, where people are looking to try to get a, a, a fair risk uh, adjusted return, um, you still have that, and, and you'll be faced, you're faced with it, what I call the CIO conundrum, right? Which is how do I get the returns that are required actuarially to pay out my recipients, our beneficiaries and constituents? And the bottom line is that's not changing, and it feels like it's going to be lower for longer. So what is the safest thing I can invest in to get me to continue to think that it's real estate? And um, again, it's likely to go into some of these areas that I described earlier. And I think that, um, I don't think pricing is gonna change much. I think that what will happen is that people will, will be, um, there'll be more negotiated deals and there will be auction. And, and I think that's the primary difference. I, and, and that makes a lot of sense to me. I, I happen to agree. So let's play it forward a bit and kind of imagine that environment. There's a lot of money parked on the sides. There is uh, a much more informed uh, capital markets, uh, both lenders, the, the government and their play, lenders and investors. Uh, by and large, there's uh, less leverage in the system. Assets are less leveraged, even if values do decline, they're still not going to be, you know, uh, perhaps nearly as leveraged as they were in the 90s or even in the O's. So do you think that there will be on a massive scale a price capitulation given this supply dynamic and information uh, environment? I, see I, think, I think that, the, the, yeah, the big price capitulation is going to be, in, in, in my view, in uh, retail. Um, and ultimately, hospitality uh, will come back uh, from a demand perspective. It'll come back in waves. Um, it's likely to come back in drive-to resorts, 
limited service, full service, kind of in that order. And then we'll ultimately get back to group houses and, and, and uh, you know, big box stuff. So that, that's one where there's an opportunity to get an outsized return for the relative risk um, is in relief capital and hospitality, whereas retail, you've got to really make a structural bet, right? And I think that there's going to be kind of a redistribution of wealth, if you will, and all that, and literally a redistribution um, uh, with these uh, major, uh, uh, major tenants and uh, their control over the malls and, and the malls control over them. Uh, that, that's going to get uh, mitigated. Um, I think that when you look at, um, you know, so, so I, I don't think that that's a big enough segment of the market that it's going to get filled with all that capital and it's going to have to get filled, you know, kind of in the corporate world and less so I think in real estate. Um, there are, I, I mean, if you look at the sell-off of, uh, uh REIT prices, uh, for office building REITs in New York city. Wow, that's a that's a short bet um, right now. I mean, people just believe that New York City is the epicenter. I think it's oversold completely um, uh, by by in, in in that regard. And uh, I think that people are going to make a lot of money in that. But uh, you know, but but not because they thought they were going to go in and buy something at a steep discount to get a, a that kind of return. It's because they're going to be in a core plus bucket that just understands the space. And then the rest of it, and it comes down to, you know, w what does that core, core plus capital need to achieve? And I think it's gonna migrate into multifamily, industrial, uh, data centers, either directly or indirectly through public markets, um, and uh, uh, life science and, and core office in innovation markets. It seems to me, if I translate what you're saying the right way, a few observations here, just kind of summarizing it. I'd like to make sure that I got it so you can confirm. One, there may be a lot of frustrated rescue capital or distressed capital. It's not going to get placed because yep. they're going to wait too long. And, uh, and two, which relates to that, the windows of opportunities may be short and uh, they may, uh, and that price dislocation may not be nearly as deep as people would like to believe, or at least people would like to experience. Right. And third, that there is no, there's probably not a whole lot of spoils left for those who are waiting for the proof to be in the pudding. Uh, you're gonna have to make a leap of faith and underwrite returns that probably are a little bit uncomfortable given where we are in order to win a bid. Yep. But those who do will probably do quite well. Now see, it took me a lot longer to say that than it did you. That's why you are who you are. Well, there um, you go. But I, yeah, I think that that's that's fair, and I and I, but I and I do think that it, it you know, it, it's no, it's it's no longer a momentum game, right? Um, no, no longer trying to fit, you know, things into the same return requirement that shouldn't be in. It's I think there's going to be a distinct difference between, you know, uh, uh, winners and losers, even within some of those submarkets that I've talked about. Yeah. I mean, retail, for example, if you've got You've got drug and 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 grocery anchored um, open air malls. Uh, I would suggest that that's been way oversold with the rest of retail, and there's probably some huge opportunity in that. Um, you just got to. I think you've got to be smarter about this, um, and it's been a little too easy. Well, if you have any portfolios with, with uh, grocery and uh, drug stores that are available, we'd like to know about it. 
Okay, well, um, listen, should we cut it off here and I'll just get on the phone with you? Absolutely. Well, give me two minutes to wrap it up. <laughs> uh, it, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And I do want to invite you back maybe in a few weeks to see how mm. things develop and how your point of view changes. But I do want to ask you a few questions as we wrap it up. One, what surprised you in the last month or two, uh, period? Yeah. Um, I think what surprised me was how easy it was to adapt to, um, you know, work from home. And I think that most of the people you talk to, whether they, after an extended period of time, whether they or their families like that, um, the fact of the matter is, is that it was a pretty easy transition um, to be able to do it. Now, is it as productive? I would argue absolutely unequivocally not. It's a fraction of productivity. Um, just, you know, and as good as this medium is, it's just a fraction of productivity you know, for, from our perspective, at least. Um, having said that, I think that there are aspects of this that uh, we will be able to use these tools more productively um, going forward as in, in addition to what we do. But that surprised me the most is how easy this was. And I, I give all the credit in the world to our technology uh, and ops team. So. The unsung heroes, good, yep. good for you. What, what about in, in the business, in your business, what surprised you? Or in the real estate capital markets uh, transaction activity, what surprised you there? Um, well, it didn't surprise me at all that, that uh, things came to a screeching halt. Um, because we'd lived through the GFC, um, you know, we, you know, no matter how you look at it, the financial markets have created most of the great recessions. And if you look at the, you know, uh, late nineties, we actually were paramount uh, to all that. Um, we, we were the cause. Um, this is the first time that real estate that I can remember in all of them or the financial markets haven't contributed to significantly or created a major uh, recession, if you will. So um, I think that, you know, from my perspective, um, um, <clears throat> it, it didn't surprise me that, th that things came to a screeching halt. Um, uh, and, and, and I guess um, having been through it uh, before, while this is unprecedented, all, all the rules and, and uh, you know, the, the things you do to, to shut down uh, the, the system to make sure that the body and everything else is working uh, properly to be able to assist others. Uh, all those instincts just kicked right in, um, you know, from all of our seasoned team. And what it reinforced was also culture. Um, and, and that's the other thing that I suggest around, you know, people's, you know, social distancing and or stay at home versus, you know, returning to work. Um, I think it's impossible to build a culture um, you know, remotely, um, if culture is an important part of what you do. And so I was pleasantly surprised uh, also about that, um, is that our culture um, really, really made a difference. What do you think is going to catch people by surprise over the next month or two? The financing market returning faster than um, they expected to. Um, and um, I think the thing that concerns me most is the what I'll call the social uh, impact of all this. Um, you're, you're beginning to see, and I don't know if it's just that uh, you know we as a, a global society have a short attention span, 
and our ability to be able to quarantine for an extended period of time gets tested. And as it gets tested, we get testy. And my, what, 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 what will be interesting to see is, is if this continues on, and there are some who are suggesting that it might continue on in terms of stay-at-home orders and the like, I, I think there's going to be some social unrest uh, that comes along with that. And if you, you if you recall, um, I <clears throat> at the end of every one of our capital markets presentations, I I've told people to not that as great as it is, trees do not grow to the sky, and it's likely to be something um, that's unexpected. Um, so don't be complacent. And um, an orange swan event, um, which uh, is obvious, we could. You know, talk about our orange swan in the in the uh, in the White House, or um, ultimately now a green swan event. And that green swan event is kind of what um, jurisdictions, whether it's city, state, local, kind of th their imposition, um, whether it's regulatory or through taxes, head taxes, and things like that, or in, in, in one never would have expected this, m less of a de democratic um, application, if you will, of uh, those powers uh, and watching how, um, you know, state, county, city, um, you know, uh, uh, jurisdictions fighting it out with the, the federal government. Um, that, that's going to be very interesting. I, I pray that uh, we don't we don't get there. Um, but that's one of the things I, that, that concerns me is that lingering, you know, distrust. And I think that if you look at um, the, the, the reason why we were least prepared um, and least prepared as a society is we've lost trust in so many ways. Uh, we, we, didn't, we didn't trust the, the Chinese in terms of reporting what they had. We didn't trust our own government that we were serving up accurate information. Um, you know, it's just, there's been a loss of trust um, and we need, to, we need to get that back in order for us to, you know, be a society that we can be proud of. It'll be nice to get it back. We have been on the whole globe has been on a slow but persistent uh, transition uh, into more of a nationalism, protectionism, uh, more inward-looking uh, self, uh, you know, preservation, protection, yeah, self-reliance, yeah. And it seems like maybe what you're talking about is that over the next, you know, in our future, there is maybe an acceleration of that pattern in America and. and Whatever that means, uh, may not mean all that. Uh, some may not mean all good things, right? May, may not all be good. So, yep. well, yep. on that note, we'll part. Roy, <laughs> always a pleasure talking to you. There are so many other things we could talk about. We could talk about charity and fixing the world and all the great things you do. We can talk about the travel and when you plan to travel and where you plan to travel. So, why don't we hold those topics for our next conversation? And in the meantime, stay healthy, be well. Yeah and uh, the best to you, your family, and your colleagues. You too, and by the next time that we talk, I will be in a different location, I can guarantee you that. <laughs> Take good care, and thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, Roy, take good care.